Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. You know, our guys work, work way too hard to, to go through the so whatever you guys got. Oh, oh poor Adam Gase. Oh, man. Poor Adam Gase. Man, what do you even say? What do you even say to your team after? I mean, really, did they have to stop some of the defensive players from trying to, like, you know, uh, kidnap Greg Williams for the night. I mean, that, that that's unbelievable. I heard some comments from Marcus May that yeah. made me think, yes, they Greg thought Williams about it. Safety <laughs> may be in jeopardy. We'll hear all of that later yeah. on. They're 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 teasing me with where I wanted to start today <laughs> with the gay sound. Instead, we're going to start with the other New York team, Big Blue Pro Football Talk Live. Peacock, Sirius XM 211, NBCSN at 9 a.m. Eastern, UK, Ireland, Sky Sports, NFL, primetime, baby, as we have been for the past few months. And the past few months have just rocketed by week 13, almost entirely in the books. Three games left, though, in week 13. We'll probably talk about that at some point later. But in the division where one of the teams will play tonight and another one of the teams will play tomorrow night, the Giants taking control Fourth straight win, going to Seattle and doing what few can ever do, beating the Seahawks. Are you kidding me? The Seahawks struggled last Monday night with the Eagles, and then they lost not to Daniel Jones, not to Phil Simms, not to Eli Manning. They lost to my new hero. I think I'm going to get myself a Colt McCoy jersey. Because as I said last week, that guy hanging around for 11 years in the NFL, right? not playing, making bank, right, to not play football. A Texas quarterback Chris Sims actually likes, and me. <laughs> he is. I, I like Colt McCoy. I like Colt McCoy better than Major Applewhite now. <laughs> okay. And, and, <laughs> uh, but, but uh, you know, you call his number once in a while. And and he gets it done. It helps that the defense holds Russell Wilson and company to 12 points. But, my God, it just shows you that whole any given Sunday thing, it really does apply. Even when you're given 10 points, even when someone thinks the Seahawks will easily cover that 10 points and makes it one of his best bets, it can blow up in your face. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the NFL. I, I know. It, it gets misleading sometimes. We see records and star players, and we think there's no way this team can compete with that team. But – you know, I, we all fall in the trap, and we all know, and you know, stupidly or not, we all know that the league is so close, even between the best teams and the worst teams, and the Giants are one of those teams right now that are like, yeah, it's not real pretty, but they're climbing the hill and on an upward trajectory. We've seen it the last few weeks, even though we're not like, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing rise we've ever seen. It's still going in the right direction. The Seattle Seahawks, it's the opposite over the last three or four weeks. It's not like it's falling off a cliff, but... It's kind of slowly going downhill here to where, yeah, there's questions. And you could see yesterday that there wasn't a whole lot of a different look between the two teams on the football field. Uh, Seattle blew a few opportunities. We know that. But 
you know, all in all, that's life in the NFL. It's a crazy league. It really is. It was a fun game to watch, even though it was low scoring and ugly. When you look back at what the Giants have done this year, and yes, it was a difficult early stretch to the season, but they they, they never embarrassed themselves. The only game no. that went sideways for them was the 49ers game. They had the Steelers on the ropes late in the third quarter. Feels like yesterday we were talking about the Bud Dupree hit on Daniel Jones that pops the ball into the air and Cam Hayward catches it in the end zone at a point where the Giants could have taken the lead and really put the, the, the fear into a team that is now 11-0 and and tries to go 12-0 and tonight at home against Washington. The Bears game was close. They had a right. lead in that game. Yeah. The Rams game was a one-score game. Cowboys 37-34. Then, then uh, they lost the Eagles by one. They had the Buccaneers Bucks were on the ropes yeah. on a Monday night game. So, you know, this is a team that, that maybe was unlucky early. And to give Joe Judge the credit he deserves, he held it together. It didn't crater. It didn't crumble. They kept doing what it is that they needed to do. And look, they're undefeated since the week 11 bye week. And that was the week that he told Mark Colombo, get the hell out of here. And I thought that could blow up on him. And it didn't. That ended up being perhaps the best movies made. It's galvanized the team, and here they are with their signature win. On the day that the Browns got their signature win over the Titans, the Giants got their signature win over the Seahawks, Chris. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it was impressive, and it was. It's a signature win. I mean, signature win, I think it's beyond that for the New York Giants. I mean, you know me. I'm a Giants fan. There hasn't been much to root for here the last few years. This is a, as big a win, I think, for the Giants football team and I'm, I'm serious, Mike. When do you think? This is the biggest win in the last two or three years, really, for the organization in a lot of ways. And I think, you know, between the winning streak we're looking at right now and some of the games you talked about, hey, like teams like the Rams, they, they don't want to play the Giants in the first round. They, you know, as much as that might look good on paper and everything like that, the Giants have some redeeming qualities that I think are, you know, what what's really helping them. The first thing is, O-line has come together, and I think you saw Dave, you know, Dave, I'm going to mess his name up again, DeGuglielmo. I got it, DeGuglielmo. Yep, I should know this. I mean, I only grew up around 9 million Italian people in northern Jersey, but either way, he adds an attitude to the football team. But the biggest thing yesterday to me, and we've talked about this a lot, Mike, is the size of that Giants front on the defensive side of the ball. And the fact that they can just rely on those four guys more times than not and say, we're not helping you. We're not, we got Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf here. We're not putting any safeties in the box. We're not blitzing. We're keeping people back in coverage. And we think you big suckers up front can handle it all. And, you know, just to say how big they are. I mean, when you have a guy like Leonard Williams, who's your defensive end, he's he's 295, 300 pa 300 pound player. That just tells you the size of their defensive front overall. And to me, that was the thing that was their biggest advantage yesterday and stuck out about the football game. And this is a team that hasn't won a postseason game since Super Bowl 46. Man. They've been to the playoffs once since then. It was the boat trip loss to the Green Bay Packers right. 2016. Ben McAdoo took the team to that level. And I was just scrolling through their their victories from 2016. I mean, nothing really jumps off as this level, this magnitude, going into Seattle, beating one of the best teams in the conference in their own building, a place where it's very difficult to win even when no, when no fans are there, with a backup quarterback, with yeah. Colt McCoy. It, it, this was the moment we saw that Daniel Jones was doubtful with the hamstring injury he suffered last week against the Bengals, we just you scratch it off. Oh, the Giants, there's no way the Giants are going to win this game. They're not right. going to go out there and win. And right. th this, this was the and, – and several teams this year, the way it's fallen, the way the schedule has gone, they've gotten the New York teams back-to-back. -back. The Browns get them coming up back-to-back. -back. The right. Seahawks are in the midst of back-to-back. -back. The 49ers got them back-to-back. And we just thought this is two easy wins for the Seahawks. The talk last week, hey, they got the easiest schedule down the stretch, and they're just gonna they're they're gonna get on a roll, and maybe they're gonna be the one seed. Well, not if they play like they did yesterday, especially against a backup quarterback in Daniel Jones. And now they got to get themselves right for the the Jets coming. Can I even say that with a straight face? Yeah, they not get really. That was right for the Jets. <laughs> the Jets reeling. The Jets turning one loss into two or a twelve or twelve, 15, as the case may be. Yeah. yeah. 
Right. Uh, let's hear from Russell Wilson on what went wrong yesterday for that team's offense. Uh, whatever he cooked caused a case of food poisoning for everyone involved. Here he is. I think the reality of this story was we weren't, we weren't able to capitalize on opportunities. You know, um, you know, I always talk about them, game-altering plays. You know, we didn't have those plays, unfortunately, today. Um, like we feel like we've had, you know, for, for the most part all season. You know, we've done a great job of those, and um, those just didn't show up as much today. Um, <clears throat> you know, unfortunately, and they stopped us on some key situations. You know, situational football, they stopped us. So, you know, and, and then they score. You know, right afterwards. So, I think that's where it was. Let me be fair here, because a couple of weeks ago, I thought Aaron Rodgers wasn't sufficiently upset after the Packers lost to the Colts. I feel like Russell Wilson's trying to sell me a reverse mortgage. Yeah, a little bit, right? Yeah, I, I know no? what you mean. I know, I know what you mean. You're right. It was like he was sitting there ready. He was ready to tell a story of the game and why it went wrong, <laughs> certainly. I mean, you're yeah. right. It, it was a little odd that way. I, I'm, I know he takes it personal, as I do Aaron Rodgers. I know that. It does come off sometimes. Yes, these guys can compartmentalize it because you're it's your life everything you got to try to move on and just go from there I'm, I, I promise you when he sat on the couch when he got home at, with his family he went there and went man I can't believe we lost that game and I bet you it bothered him all night but it, it was a little bit of a weird look there I'm with you you just have to wonder how it does affect their confidence going forward and what you can do to get things right after a game like that where you just feel like nothing that you believe in, nothing that you are, your identity didn't work, and, and, and what the hell do you do going forward when you've had such a great season up until the past few weeks? And he's been plummeting, plummeting in the MVP race, plummeting. Yeah. He, he's behind Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers going into this week. He may fall even farther behind a guy like a Ben Roethlisberger. Maybe even Baker Mayfield's going to start shooting up the ladder after what he was able to do yesterday against Tennessee. But you saw those sacks, twenty-one over the last. That's five the big games. one. I, and 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 I'm I'm just it's it's perplexing, especially because that narrative got locked in so early in the season, and we love our September narratives because then we don't have to use any additional brain power to go back and change them. But but it feels like a very long time ago that the Seahawks seem to be soaring to the one seed and Russell Wilson seemed to be headed to a unanimous MVP award, Chris. Yeah, no, that that's gone. I mean, I, I MVP, yeah, I don't I think that's out the door. Maybe he gets a few votes. It's gonna take something special down the stretch for him to like get back there. They're gonna need to run the table, maybe. You know, maybe can lose one other game but are going to have to do something statistically pretty special. But I don't see how you could watch it right now and think that his play is on par with Rodgers and, and Mahomes. And, you know, yesterday specifically, Mike, you know, this Patrick Graham, defensive coordinator for the Giants, I know you've heard me talk about him a few times. We talked about the defensive line, you know, what they did, their ability to rush and collapse the pocket with four people constantly, just like we talk about with any great quarterback I don't know what they were doing on the back end. I won't really know until I watch film, but it was always coverage. There was always eyes on Russell Wilson, and he seemed uncomfortable as far as not that he was getting pressured right as he dropped back all game long, but just never seemed like he was throwing a ball on rhythm. Like, hey, one, two, three, four, five, hitch step, throw, that guy's open, boom, now, oh, here we go. It was always get to the top of the drop, let me hop because nobody's open, let me move and hop a little bit more, nobody there again, and obviously good game planning on the Giants' side of the ball, but yeah, the offense for the Eagles has been a little bit hit, I mean, the, the Seahawks has been a little bit hit or miss lately. And... uh it is amazing when you think how the weapons have developed there, and maybe it's a good thing that they get Josh Gordon in yeah, a few weeks. Maybe right. they need him. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett not able to get it done. They were getting covered yesterday. And the fact that the sacks averaged 4.8 seconds, right, the five that sacks, that just shows you that, shows you that, that they were – confusing Russell Wilson, not letting him think guys were open, right. keeping guys from getting open, keeping him from getting rid of the football and forcing him to hold on to it, and then doing the hard part, which is tracking him down and corralling him. You know, seeing him against Kyler Murray twice this year really took a little bit of that gleam off of the, the idea that he darts around like the Tasmanian devil. He's not as, as fast 
and as elusive as Kyler Murray, but still he's one of the most elusive quarterbacks in the NFL. Right. It's amazing to think that that uh, he he got himself sacked so many times when he did have time for the play to develop and to bail out on it yeah. and uh, and take off if that's what we want to do. We've seen him do that so many times. That's the other credit to the Giants. Not only did they cover the receivers, but they sealed off the running lanes for Russell Wilson. They definitely did. And, you know, if anybody that watched the game or, you know, you see see highlights or whatever, you'll see so many times where, you know, they don't really – they never over-pursued, right? That's where we see people get in trouble with Russell Wilson. The, the all-out, pin-your-ears – pass rush they fly by him on the edge and now there's these big gaps in front of them and of course big defensive tackles aren't going to stop them but the Giants didn't play it that way they played like we've heard coach Dungy and Rodney talk about so much what New England does to scrambling quarterbacks and of course this is a New England coaching staff and that's what they carried over there so that was really impressive you know they took away the two things you know, that we think are special about the Seahawks, and that's Russell Wilson and D.K. Metcalf. I know Metcalf had five for 80, but it was, you know, too few and far between, and a lot of it was late in the football game. So, uh, I don't know, Mike. You tell me. I mean, we've gone from the Seahawks to, wow, they look unbelievable. Russell Wilson's going to win the MVP. Looks like they're going to win the number one seed. To now we're sitting here. I mean, they're they're in danger of like you could sit here and go. I, I mean, the playoffs. The playoffs are a real conversation down after that loss yesterday. With their schedule coming up and some of the teams they got, I mean, I don't know where this goes. It's going to be kind of interesting to watch here down the stretch. Well, it definitely is, and there are going to be some good teams that don't make it in the NFC because you've got the Vikings, you've got the. Uh, the, the Cardinals are still in it, and the 49ers are coming up hard, and yeah. they finished the season against the Seahawks. Wouldn't it be something if one year after it was Seahawks 49ers for the one seed, it becomes Seahawks 49ers as a playoff game, as a playoff elimination game, as a early playoff game, the winner gets in, the loser goes home. That's entirely possible in the NFC. And, you know, one last thing about the Giants, because we, we – we, we, you know, Colt McCoy only had 105 passing yards, so it's not like he came out and lit it up. He did what he needed to do. Wayne Gallman. Well, yeah, let's hit that. Wayne, Wayne Gallman. I mean, Saquon Barkley gone early in the year with the torn ACL that he suffered against the Bears. And Wayne Gallman with 135 rushing yards on 16 carries. Uh, and Alfred Morris, a guy who could have been, should have been, maybe would have been offensive rookie of the year back in 2012. The guy whose claim to fame was he was still driving a 1991 Mazda 626 when he was drafted. He was gone. He was done. It was over. Yeah. Alfred Moore scores two touchdowns yesterday. I mean, this Seahawks defense, just when we thought it was coming back, right. you, can't, you can't lose to backup quarterback, backup running back, and running back who, you know, has like, a flash of, oh, yeah, I remember Alfred Morris every three or four years now. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's disheartening for a team like Seattle who's putting, you know, they, they consider themselves Super Bowl caliber. But that's really, you know, other than early in the game, the Seahawks blew a few opportunities. They were up 3 nothing. They were driving. Russell Wilson fumbled a snap. They blocked a punt and blew an opportunity to score a touchdown and only got a safety. That was a big moment in the game. It was only Seahawks around. Someone's got to bat that ball back in the field to play so the Seahawks get a touchdown instead of recovering it out of bounds and only getting a safety. They left points on the field. Other than that, Mike, what you're talking about, you're exactly right. It was the biggest thing that happened in the game. The third quarter, the Giants' O-line just took over the football game. You know, there was... There was two running plays that I saw when I was keeping my eye on the game yesterday. The one where everybody just goes straight forward and it's double team, double team, double team. And hey, just get a body on a body and let Wayne Gallman kind of figure out where a hole is and go through there. They were just pushing the Seahawks back. No problem. And then the other one for the big run down the left sideline, and they gashed them with this run a few times where they pulled guards and centers out on the edge. And the Seahawks had nobody out there a few times to, to make a tackle or take on blockers or do anything. So, yeah, definitely disheartening. But as a Giants fan, very exciting. I am very excited about the way the Giants play, the way they look on the field, Joe Judd's attitude and everything he's brought to the Giants. I think he's already... 
He's, you know, what do I want to say? He's, he's made me feel real good as a Giants fan. He's put his stamp on the franchise as far as he has an identity and how he's going to coach the team, and the team has an identity, and I think that's cool here in New York at least. Well, first of all, it's the first time you've mentioned being a Giants fan all season, so welcome back onto the Hey, line. hey, Giants, let's go. Well, there was no reason to even <laughs> – did we talk about them all season? I don't even know. <laughs> Second of all, I don't understand how you're a Giants fan. Why? Still. Because you played in the NFL, you played for the Buccaneers, right. you never played for the Giants, and I, I admire the fact that you maintained that little kid rooting for his dad sure. dynamic even after you went through the meat grinder literally and figuratively that would have made you jaded about the whole concept of being the fan of the team that you grew up rooting for because I just feel like once a guy goes through it as a player and comes out on the other side, yeah. It's pretty much done. It, it is. It's, I, I know what you mean. It is like that, I think, in a, in a lot of cases for players or anything like that. I, and there was a part of me, Mike, for a while that I was mad at the Giants. I mean, they cut my dad after he went to the playoffs and was, you know, the MVP of the team and went to the Pro Bowl. I was pissed for a few years. I became a Cowboys fan where I was like, screw the Giants. I'm mad at them. But I'm a New Yorker. I have too many good memories. My family's all Giants fans, and I just I'm all with them. So yeah, it's I like the Bucks, of course, because they drafted me. Uh, but the Giants still have my heart, and uh, I'm excited. And especially with Joe Judge there, a guy I worked with in New England, it's just cool to see. Well, all I'll say is this: if Daniel Jones had any boys in the range of eight to ten years old, Colt McCoy would have to worry about getting shaving cream <laughs> in his shoes today. Definitely. All right, uh, let's let's move on to the uh, the Rams and the Cardinals, an NFC West showdown that had huge implications. However, it would have played out, and it played out the way that we thought it would. The Rams sending the Cardinals to the third straight loss, but for Hale Murray, they'd be. Five losses in a row right Ooh. now and counting. Here, let, let's hear from Kyler Murray, who I, I admire the fact he doesn't take losses well. Let's see if he's going to try to sell us a reverse mortgage with his sound from after yesterday's game. Honestly, I just think we've got to find a way to win. Um, you know, we've been in every single game, um, you know, pretty much that we've lost. We've been in those games and have had chances to win. Um, you know, little mistakes here and there, um, turnovers, whether, you know, penalties, stuff like that. Um, not playing complimentary football, um, that gets you beat. And I think those are, uh, that's kind of, it's kind of just who we are right now. Just not, you know, we're not, um, just not finding a way. He hasn't been the same since he injured his shoulder against the Seahawks on that Thursday night after the Hale Murray game. Agreed. And, I, and, and teams have bottled him up every week. Every week, we, he hasn't had a rushing touchdown. His rushing numbers have not been impressive. And, and, and I doubt that it's been a, a strategic decision made by the Cardinals. We saw it that Thursday night. That they've figured out how to avoid these situations where Murray just takes off. Yes. Uh, yes. And, and uh, credit to the defenses and maybe the Seahawks for, for creating the blueprint. And it's been copied twice now. And look, the last three games, he's down to 20.3 rush yards per game. And from 10 touchdowns, the first nine games rushing to zero in the last three combined, Chris. Yeah, uh, well, there's definitely been a drop-off. Mike, we've been talking about it, right? I know you've heard me say that it feels like when I watch film all the way back to the Bills game and things like that when I'm Ron Jaworski, that defenses have figured out the Cliff Kingsbury pass attack a little bit. You know, and and listen, I, not to say there's still not some good things about it, but you you know my old saying, like there's just too many plays where I watch the play and I go, I don't know what coverage this is, but everybody's covering all the receivers where Arizona's supposed to be. Everybody's dropped in the perfect area. So I think between that and then what you're talking about, Mike, I think is kind of spot on. I think it's the Seahawks, the Dolphins, the Bills. There was three games in a row, and then you had the Patriots. Everybody's got to see this. It's kind of all got to go together, this blueprint of, hey, look, if you do this and don't let him outside the pocket and make him sit in there and maybe even have to throw the ball down the middle of the field, you got a chance to win the football game. And I think you're also right in the fact that his shoulder, his throwing has not been up to par. There's too many throws that I see where I go, Oh, incomplete. Man, that's Kyler Murray. He should hit that. I've seen him do that. There's too many of those right now to make me think that there is something wrong or he's not quite at 100% there and just off kilter a little bit. 
And, you know, something we talked about last week, and it looks like the Rams are moving in that direction, developing an identity in the running game, getting away from the three-headed monster approach. Malcolm Brown, and unfortunately, he's the guy who, you know, with Todd Gurley gone, he was the one that that had put in the time, and he was kind of the leader, and now he's, he's fallen out of the picture pretty much entirely the past couple of weeks. And Cam Akers is emerging with Daryl Henderson being the backup. And Daryl Henderson did well yesterday with the opportunities he had, 49 yards on three carries. But Akers is the grinded-out guy, and, and the Rams need that. They, they can't try to get cute and mimic Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. Ride with Cam Akers. Yep. Let, let Jared Goff run the short passes to Robert Woods, short passes to Cooper Cup, and hope one of those crossers pops for a big gain. And... You know, Goff, 37 for 47, 351, and a touchdown. That's a hell of a lot better than last week with the three turnovers. So they they got it together when they needed to. They move into first place in the NFC West. And uh, and I'm not going to say they delivered a death blow to the Cardinals, but the, the Cardinals better figure something out right. quickly or it's going to be over. Yeah, they're, they're in trouble, certainly. And, I mean, we know that they still got the Rams and 49ers down the stretch, right? Those are going to be tough matchups for them, you know, especially with teams figuring out how they play. And, you know, with that, then you start to go, okay, Arizona's offense not as good. How about their defense? Because their defense has had some moments lately where we go, okay, good, great. It wasn't one of those days for them yesterday either. McVay had it. You know, McVay was, he cracked the code yesterday in a lot of different ways. And it wasn't necessarily through the run game, but Arizona sold out so hard to stop the run at times. Yeah, you mentioned it. Goff was on his game. And a lot of Woods, uh, Cooper Cup, over the middle, those type of things. A few of the bootlegs that we always see. But, I mean, the game was dominated by the Rams. The fact that this game at one point was 24-21 after the Rams fumbled that punt. You know, I know you're in West Virginia and I'm here in Stamford, Connecticut. But we, I know Coach Dungy and Rye, we're sitting here going, man, the Rams are dominating this game. And they're up three points? Like, how is that? Uh, but obviously they got back control of things and, and put the pedal back on the metal and dominated once again. But very impressive. I think between, you know, the stubbornness to run the football, the toughness in which they play, and the athleticism of that front on defense to contain Kyler Murray and Brandon Staley, I, one of the young new D coordinators of football. I'm so impressed with him on the Ram side of the ball. Yeah, he's starting to get some buzz already he in should. the in the conversation for coaches, the reality is there's only going to be so many jobs available. It may take a couple of years before Sean McVay has to worry about losing him, but that that was a risky move. Wade Phillips, one of the great defensive coordinators of the past 30 years, if not longer, uh, when you look back over the history of the National Football League, to move on from him with the resolve that McVay did, it's it's paying off. Yeah. And, you know, to tie it all together, next week there's a sneaky great game at MetLife Stadium. Cardinals at Giants. I know. I know. It's killing me. My little boy has yet to go to a Giants football game, and I'm sitting there going, man, you know, that, that would be the game to go. He, Oh, man, Dad, Kyler Murray's coming. You know, but, yeah, we can't go. Not right now. There's some sneaky games there. Well, the Giants got the Browns, right? Is it the next week or the week after that? So uh, MetLife's going to have some playoff implication type football games here, which I don't think any of us expected uh, in December. First of all, dad works on Sunday. Beyond the fact that it's a pandemic, dad works. Sorry, son, if it was a Monday night game or a Thursday night That's game, I'd happen. be able to take you. But yeah. I, I got to work on Sunday. Yes, yeah, it's not. it doesn't happen. You're right. But no, one of these, yeah. that's a, a bucket list thing is to get to a game. And yeah, it's not going to happen until next year, obviously. The the uh, Yeah, the Browns have both of the New York teams coming up, as we said. And the it's just, you know, that that it's got an old school feel to it. Anytime the Browns are good and they're playing one of the teams that's been around for a while. Right. But Cardinals-Giants, it's, it's another one of these old NFC East reunion games. All those years when the Cardinals didn't fit in when, when they were the Arizona and Phoenix Cardinals and still Crazy. in the NFC East, uh, but they, they get together again, and it looked like it was going to be an easy win for Arizona not that long ago. Now, I don't know who I'm going to pick in that game. Thank oh, goodness we got three days to figure it out, because right now if I had to pick one or the other, I would probably pick the Giants. Can and, 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 you know, maybe this is good for the NFL that somebody in the NFC East isn't yeah. a total embarrassment. And that the you know four wins in a row 
it it it's maybe they could they actually get to 500 that would could be they amazing. win the division at 8 and 8 right maybe they can i know I, it would it really would be amazing and it'd be one of those things if they could go on a run like that i think a lot of people would give them a little leeway and be like oh well i mean 8 and 8 yeah that's not great but they're kind of hot at the end of the year and some of the teams they beat are playoff teams so People won't be able to complain about, you know, that that theme of all oh, eight and eight teams shouldn't get to host a football game. Well, I mean, no, it's, I know people still will complain, but as it looks right now, Giants are a player and going to be, you know, heard from in this race. And this NFC playoff race got very interesting yesterday. What do you what, King, let me ask you this? He, with these he, six, let me okay, just say sorry. one thing. Yeah. Peter King planted the seed in my brain a few weeks ago and I'm running with it. It's germinating. It's spreading. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers back to MetLife Stadium to face the Giants in the wild card round. That would be, That's what I'm rooting for. That would be amazing. That Right now, though, as it sits, Russell Wilson would have to come back to Giants Stadium and play them too, which wouldn't be a bad watch either. All right, I just want to ask you this before we go to a break. Not that you know the answer to this, neither do I. Those seven teams that are in right now in the NFC, are you? Do those seven teams make it? Like, if you had to take no. one out, take, or you're taking Minnesota out? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Listen. Okay, Kornacki, go ahead. Who are you going to put in in well, front no, of them? Well, well, well and, and the, these numbers get dizzying very quickly, but the reality is, look at where the Vikings are. Look at the percentage that Kornacki put up last night, 32. Why is it 32? Because the Vikings are living on the edge against crappy teams. All due respect to the crappy teams the Vikings have beaten lately. But when you have to take the Jaguars to overtime, when you have to come back late against a Panthers team that should be overmatched, you're not ready to make a push for the postseason. This reminds me of 1990. Any Vikings fans out there who have been Vikings fans for a long time, in 1990, the Vikings started 1-6. They beat the Packers on a Sunday night. I vividly recall listening to the game on the radio because I didn't have the money to have cable in 1990 when I was in law school. Beat the Packers 23-7 to to get to 6-6. Six and six. Here they are. They're back. They're ready to go. And they lost the last four games. I would not be surprised if the Vikings lose the last four games or at least lose two of the last four games because they play the Buccaneers and the Saints in the coming weeks. So I think it's going to – I think your 49ers are getting in as the seventh seed. Ooh. And watch out when they do. Yeah, I'm with you. I just only thing I'm scared of there is just their schedule. It is tough still. I mean, they got some big games there, but I, I, you're right. But the way the teams are playing, I would, I would, ex- I think the 49ers are one of the seven best teams in the NFC right now. I'm with you. Oh, you're, you're going to be conflicted tonight. Your boy Blue against your, your yeah. guy Kyle. I know. Sorry, Blue. You're gonna, you got to go down tonight. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's uh, unconditional love. Nothing like it. Let's take a break. When we return, plenty of unconditional love. For the Cleveland Browns, we dared them to prove to us that they can beat a great team. Oh, and they did. We'll talk about what the Browns did to the Titans when PF Spot continues right after this. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's different about you now as opposed to a month ago, last year, whatever? Is it something looks different? What's different? Um... Whenever I'm about to do something, I think, would an idiot do that? And if they would, then I don't do that. 
<laughs> He's on fire lately. <laughs> He's on Continuing fire. Continuing to pull from the great sitcoms of NBC. First it was Parks and Rec, Ron Swanson. Now it's Dwight Schrute from The Office. That was the best advice that Michael Scott ever gave to Dwight Schrute. And I... I, I I think he's trolling with a straight face, right? This is his way of dealing with the haters. This is how he has matured. He's not going to come out and be salty and be petty. He's going to be funny. That's how he's dealing with those of us who doubted him. And we doubted him for good reason. We doubted him because he couldn't beat a great team. We doubted him because the Browns couldn't beat a great team. And I said it last week, I'm not going to expect the Browns to beat a great team until they show they can beat a great team. The Colts thing was kind of fluky and kind of before we knew that the Colts were great. And we still don't know that the Colts are great after all these weeks. The Titans had shown us, especially in recent weeks, how great they were. And for the Browns to go in there and just throw them over the ropes right out of the gates. And that's what you have to do to the Titans. You, you have to build a huge lead and and then just hold on and you know sometimes they can come back and sometimes they can't and they almost uh, made it interesting yesterday but yeah, they're not built to come back from as far down not not many teams are built to come no. back from as far down as they were yesterday but kudos to the Browns uh, Baker Mayfield getting it done the best game of his career I'd say the signature win this year for the Browns and uh, the the playoffs are now a given. Yeah, for the Cleveland Browns, right. uh, if, if they if they blow it now, it, I think it will it will hurt as bad as you know Owen sixteen did a three years. Oh, ago, it might hurt worse because they're they're yeah. there now. They they have it in their grasp. Yeah, right. It, it would take something special to to mess this up now, and I, I don't see that happening. Not with. Like, just the way the team acts, the way Stefanski acts, the way they answer questions to the media. I, I think they've turned the corner of going like, hey, we're a, we made it. You know, we're, we're not 1-33 in 33 anymore. We're, we're actually good. Like, the, now to where they look like they're like, okay, let's, let's go win some more. Like, they got a real, like real belief. I think that's what I saw yesterday. You know, hey, good first drive. And then to your point, like, you know, they jumpstart their football team. They get a big fourth and one stop on Derrick Henry. He throws a little short pass to Nick Chubb, who runs down the sidelines because he's got three rockets up his butt. He's unbelievable. And then trick play. This is what I love about Stefanski, too. He does little things to jumpstart his team and his offense, and we've seen that in a number of big games from them this year. Jarvis Landry, throwback to uh, Baker Mayfield. Okay, it wasn't a big deal, but it's something that gets the team and the offense lively, and I think it shows the team, hey, we're going to attack today. They score a touchdown a few plays later. Derrick Henry fumbles again. They score again. I mean, it it happened like that. I haven't seen the Browns have a half of football like that in my lifetime. I can't really remember that. 38 points against the Titans and score the way they did, the big plays, execution, they did it all. Uh, It was phenomenal, and you're right. It was the best game of Baker Mayfield's career to this point. Well, they'd never had a half like that in their entire existence. Now, that is from 1999 forward plus pre-1996, even though that team is the Ravens. We're, We're waving the magic wand and saying that that was the Browns. The Browns, all the way back to the All-American Football Conference, Browns never scored 38 points in the first half of a game. So a huge win wow. for the Cleveland Browns and and a disappointment for the Tennessee Titans. You take their loss and you couple it with the Colts winning, and now the AFC South, when it was starting to feel like we'd get some separation, it's back in play. Here's Derrick Henry, who, who I thought was on his way maybe to making a late Adrian Peterson-type run at the single-season rushing record. Here he is on what he needs to do to turn this thing around. Well, kept fighting, and, um, you know, we just, just came up short. But, you know, I just know I have to be better, proud myself being a leader on this team, and, you know, definitely, you know, this, this one's strong, and I feel like you know, I didn't do my job the way I, I needed to. I have to be better tremendously. Yeah, I just wonder how much – complacency is a factor at this stage of the season once you have a couple of great games do you lose sight of what it took to get you to have that great game do you think that it's easy I I don't I don't know how that works I mean these guys are human like the rest of us and it is a week-to-week thing and you focus on one game at a time and do you get to a point have you seen that with players where 
it, it's going well, so they forget what it takes to keep that going, and maybe they aren't as focused, and they don't work as hard, and they don't prepare as hard, and they don't have the same mentality going into a game that they sh- that they should have well, that sets them up to have a huge disappointment like that. Yeah, I don't know if it's like, you know, you, listen, you can lose your edge. To, there's no doubt about that, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, there's 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 one team here where I think just natural human psychology comes into it, and you kind of set it up already. Tennessee, we beat the Ravens. We beat the Colts. We're running on everybody. We're feeling good. The Browns are going in the game like, we think we're good. We're not sure, but we're scared, and we need to prove to the world that we are good. So they had more of an edge to the football game. And for Derrick Henry, I don't know if it's anything like where I look at, oh, did he do something wrong? They just – you kind of mentioned this too. The game got out of hand to where then they couldn't really do what they want to do on the offensive side of the ball. They had to lose their patience with the run game a little bit because all of a sudden we looked up and we were like, whoa, it's 24-7, you know, just like that. And I think that really threw them for a loop as to like what you said. They're not a team. Yeah, they can make big plays in the past game, but they're not famous for getting the shotgun and spread it out, two-minute drill, and we're going to surgically destroy you. That's not what they're built to do. So they got taken out of a football game and couldn't play the style they wanted to play. And I think that's why it kind of looks to the way you're saying. It, it's not that I think he lost interest or anything like that, just the natural hum- human emotions of the game and then the game itself. There's a symmetry also to what happened yesterday because it was week one of the 2019 season when so many people thought the Browns were going to make the run that they ended up making this year. The Titans went into Cleveland and smacked them down. I think 33-14 to 14 was the final score of that game. Yeah. And that was when we were first like, oh, wait a minute. I, I thought the Browns were going to be good this year. And, uh, you know, the Titans ended up proving that they were much better than we expected them to be. They made it to the Final Four. But now with the Titans, the clear favorite, the Browns go in and return the favor. And, yeah, they are right on the precipice of the playoffs. Let me just say this, though. Yeah. And, and this is one of those, as we pick games, and I have all sorts of different factors ricocheting around in my brain. One thread that was there that I didn't pull, but it was there. I guarantee you it was there. Yeah. The fact that the Titans don't have a great pass rush. You know, when when you put Baker Mayfield against a team with a great pass rush, he gets guys in his face. That's when we've seen him struggle. And I should have, clearly, obviously, in hindsight, I should have thought if they can't put heat on Baker Mayfield, he's going to have time yeah. to roll out. He's going to have time to Play find receivers. Passes, he's going to yeah. have time to do the things that – that even though the Titans are a great team, they don't have the kind of great pass rush that's going to suffocate him. And I regret not pulling that thread because I'm telling you that thread was there. Yeah, I I, I hear you. And, you know, it's an interesting aspect of the game. I, I, I think this is, you know, ultimately what it looked like. And, again, it's another one where I need to go back and watch so you can see a few more of the details and things like that. The Titans, though, sold out so hard to stop the run. And that's, that's the special thing about, Mike, we've had that conversation so many times. When you do something elite or have something elite about your team, it opens up so many other things and avenues for a unit and their offensive side of the ball. To me, yesterday it looked like the Titans were so worried about Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt that Cleveland kind of went you know reverse psychology on them and think, oh, yeah, you think we're going to run the ball? And they came out with a little bit more of a throw-first mentality and were aggressive that way. And then to your point, with no pass rusher, man, they just couldn't get near him. And he was just firing bullets all over the football field and threw it as good as he threw it all year long. And kudos to the coaching staff for recognizing yeah. it was an appropriate time to pull the switch back to southpaw, right. as Rocky Balboa once did. And that's part of the game of every, of every NFL contest. What do they think you're going to do and what do you ultimately do? And, and can you do it when, when they – when they're going to take away what you do best, you voluntarily give it up and switch to something else, and it wasn't what they do best, but they did it better than Baker Mayfield had ever done it on Sunday, and it was great to see. Congratulations to everyone in Cleveland who has been waiting. I Seriously. don't want to declare the race prematurely. Steve Kornacki didn't do it last night. We're not <laughs> going to do it today, but it's looking pretty good pending uh, uh, the final four games of the season. I'm, I mean, I'm too- rooting for it. I think you are too, right? I mean, I want Cleveland in the playoffs, no matter how much their fans try to trash me on 
social media. I don't care, Cleveland fans. You're not going to persuade me. I still I, I want yeah. them. I want them there now more than I did because they they won't just be a They're quick a pl- and yeah. easy out. We may get a, a rematch of Sunday's game. Cleveland and Tennessee in round one. The way it's shaping up right now, Cleveland's a five seed. If Tennessee wins the division, it's going to be a rematch of that game. May able to be a rematch of the Colts game. If the Colts win the AFC South, because right now it's looking like the winner of the AFC South is going to be the four seed and the Browns in great position to be the five seed. Let's take a break. When we return, the Raiders no longer in one of the seven spots. They would have likely been done and done for good if they didn't have some sort of divine intervention and or idiocy by the Jets to open the door to get to 7-5. and five. We'll talk about how the Raiders narrowly avoided having their season completely implode when PFT Live continues right after. believe they all outed all out blitzed us um but as soon as i saw it man i was i was thankful uh you know and that's why uh, we prepare the way we do that's why coach teaches the way he does and i give coach gruden all the credit in the world because he has prepared me and equipped me to handle those situations whenever we get those kind of looks to be able to handle it accordingly um so you know we just played the call that the coaches called and um you know we just got to execute but you got to help us out at the same time just getting a you know better call at that spot we were trying to create pressure you know he hadn't done well, well with it all game so you know that's, that's that's what happened we had a couple free runners but we didn't get there is pressure even needed in that situation all you have to do is keep stop the play from getting to the end zone even a short completion would have been okay yeah I, that's what we ended up pressuring have you talked to Greg about since the game ended about his I just, I just talked to him. Did he explain his thought yeah, process? He explained his thought process. I'd fire him right now. I'd have fired him after the game. I'd have gone and punched him in the stomach. I don't advocate violence. I'm just saying that figuratively. I'd have punched him in the stomach and told him he's fired. Wow. That's, that's, that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm like, I understand the, you're fired part. I don't know if you need to punch him in the stomach or do anything. That I bad. said, I said figuratively, <laughs> I don't advocate I, violence I mean, except I, when wait, it's against you. I don't know. We're not in, we're doing superlatives in a little bit, right? I mean, I, I don't even, I got to do my first one of the day. I don't even know what to say here. It's unbelievable. It's the, the that was the dumb and dumber. That was the dumbest crap I've ever seen. I don't know what else to say. That makes no sense. We're trying to pressure him. What? And we're going to leave our no-name corner that nobody knows in the world of football against a top 20 pick in Henry Ruggs? And you're going to take away all execution. And it doesn't matter. Hey, Raiders, don't execute. Just throw the ball high in the air, and we have better than a 50-50 chance to catch the ball. So he, so you see here with this defensive lineup, all the guys at the line of scrimmage, and then here's the little double move, which even with this stupid defensive call, I want to tell the DB, hey, sir, please just don't bite on the underneath move, you know? But I know he's got to worry a little because he's on an island. and the well, guy He's ca- got no help. He's got That's no help, so Bugs I know. is fast. He catches so that quick pass, and he's gone. He's gone, too. You're right. It's, it's, it's just the worst defensive call I've ever seen, and let alone, Mike, Let's not forget the play before they let the Raiders get behind them too, right down the middle of the field. And if Derek Carr threw a better pass there, it was going to be a touchdown. So total catastrophe. And I think Listen, it warranted maybe I, firing him after the game, like you said. I, I take no pleasure in this because, well, wait a minute. I don't know if Jets fans are really upset with the result. Most of them were happy they are. to ultimately lose the game and continue the quest for Trevor Lawrence. But I still was astounded that Greg Williams found employment in the NFL after how he handled himself in the bounty scandal when he submitted an affidavit basically ratting out Jonathan Vilma for the supposed offer of money that was made prior to the 2009 NFC Championship game. I figured he'd be ostracized and he'd never be welcomed again in a locker room. I've continuously been proven wrong because he continuously finds work. And at some point, I reconciled that by saying he must be one of the great defensive minds of the modern era. 
Well, that argument is now crap because one of the great defensive minds of the modern era doesn't do what he did yesterday. Anyone who is remotely familiar with the Madden game wouldn't have done that yesterday. You're defending one thing in that moment, and that's the goal line. You're not trying to deliver some message and knock Derek Carr's block that's off. That's what it is. Are, that's what it is, right? though. You're, I think you're right, Mike. I think that's really what it is, and I think that's the annoying thing about Greg Williams. It's just ego and like personal emotions got into the moment. Like, I'm going to show John Gruden one more time who the boss is. John Gruden, I mean, he, he knows Greg Williams. And other than last year's matchup when they played them, he's had his way with Greg Williams a lot and torn that torn him apart on that side of the ball. I just can't believe he would send that blitz, let alone against John Gruden, who I, I just in my personal experience has a great feel for Greg Williams. I mean, we played him a few times, and he di- he was always all over when he's going to blitz, when he's going to do things. Uh, I just I, I don't even know what to say about it. It's just it's unbelievable. And, and, and let's, let's put this in the proper perspective. This isn't the normal run-of-the-mill Miracle in the Meadowlands. I mean, this is on par with the Miracle in the Meadowlands, even though the stadium isn't the exact same spot. But to have a game that should be over, that's, that is, for all intents and purposes is over, and to have it turn the way that it did, that in and of itself is stunning in any setting. But when you are a team that is getting down to its last few chances to avoid joining the ranks of the 2008 Lions and the 2017 Browns as 0-16, as winless for a full 16-game season, when you have the chance to get that win and run out of the stadium with it, that's what I, and you know, this is a question that I, someone was raising last night as we were talking about it. Where's Adam Gase to overrule yeah. Greg Williams in that moment right. and say, what? No, no, no. Put in the, put in the, the, the defense where you got eight guys, whatever they call their version of eight guys in the end zone, put eight guys in the end zone. You, pr- you practice these things Friday, Saturday practice. This is a big thing as far as you're going to have a period where you're going to walk through moments like this. Hail Mary situations, how to be on to defend it, they have no time on the clock, all those type of things. So at some point, Adam Gase was co- complicit with it. But, yeah, this is one where you go, please get in his ear and tell him to get out of that defense. Superlatives next here on PFT Live. Dumb and dumber. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.